0: Sanashe kasar al kolangari senerome, ci sodada cecrurome tan creada urume ci datas. Welcome to Con Langery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. With me in England, lovely Inglaterra, is Bianca Mangum. Hello. And in the great state of Wisconsin, we have the erudite William Annis. Howdy. Uh, okay.
1: How do we say Madison in
0: Spanish? Madison. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> what? Madison. I don't. I don't. Madison. Think a... Yeah. No, L- that's like, much that much that like Yeah, that, that I don't like that. London, <laughs> which is not where Bianca is, would be Londres. I'm not
2: Though in I London. I think some people
0: some people call it London, but
2: but I'm still not in London.
0: But she's still I not know. there. I know you're not in London. Okay. <laughs> I find it funny, though. Um, Spanish-language newspapers still always refer to Beijing as Peking. Anyway. Oh, I had a story I wanted to tell you guys. Story time. My dad has problems with pragmatics, I think. <laughs> so. <laughs> Is he flouting
2: <laughs> maxims?
0: <laughs> so... Anyway, um today, like a song from a musical <laughs> pragmatics, okay, anyway, so I'm gonna tell you today, uh my parents were making a roast for Sunday dinner, and um my mom said, mom was reminding my dad about it. And she said, did you put the roast in? And he misheard her. I think he was talking about clothes. She she, he thought she was talking about clothes and stuff. And he said, oh, I put it in the dryer. And then Mom said, the roast? And he said, oh, I put the roast in. And then I said, in the dryer? <laughs> so... But he does that things like that he doesn't finish his sentences when the end of the sentence contains vital information to understand him, and, I don't know, he does kooky things when he talks.
1: We are not speaking Japanese. <laughs> cannot drop anything we want. <laughs>
2: we can, but it never ends well.
0: Uh, anyway... I guess we're I guess that was not as funny a story as I thought but <laughs> uh, so le- why don't I quit trying to, to make funny stories about my talk say funny stories about my parents and talk about some linguistics Woo-hoo. our topic what Woohoo! okay our topic today is pronouns so everybody's got a know a little bit about pronouns for language but They're
2: like professional nouns
0: or <laughs> not so much pronouns no, not in any way pronouns are basically a class of words that is can be used to replace a noun or a noun phrase and but there's a whole lot of different ways you can do it Uh, William, you listed a whole bunch of of crap here. A
1: whole bunch of crap, yes, that's exactly what I did. (laughs) So, right, so we can talk about all these different pronoun kinds. There are free, closed, and by that I mean the pronouns are separate words. They can float around all over the place. And closed meaning that you can't, there aren't new ones. There's a Mm -hmm. fixed set and that's it. There's free open, which uh, sometimes occurs in languages obsessed with politeness, where you have, first of all, they're free, they float around. The -hmm. sentence can be used in different roles, and they're not attached to other words. And open means you can keep bringing in new words and using them as pronouns. Yeah, Japanese is an example of that. Yeah, Japanese is the the classic, easily accessible example. Mm -hmm. Um, They can be bound morphemes which means they're attached to things and can only go in certain places things like uh conjugation markers um possessive markers if you you use those as a as a bound affix um and they can be enclitics mm-hmm. and and an enclitic differs from a bound morpheme in this important way in a language like latin the first person singular subject Suffix on a verb like amo or, or, you know, widow or whatever can only go on verbs. Enclitics, in, okay. in, in theory, can follow anything. In practice, they tend to either follow the word they go with, which might be a, a, a noun phrase if they're possessives, or, and it's very common all over the world, for enclitics to pile up after the first. Free word in the sentence. Hmm. So, you might have your subject pronoun be an enclitic, which might attach to whatever happens to be the first free word in the sentence. It may not be the verb. Hmm. And then you have some languages that might have some full and then some enclitic forms. Indo-European languages, Uto-Aztecan languages have usually a mix of, of both independent and, and enclitic
0: forms Mm-hmm. I can yeah I see where you're going with that I'm trying to think Spanish has has an example where you can attach an object pronoun to the end of a progressive verb but I don't know if that qualifies in, in clinic really
1: uh it is when with the infinitives, when you the reflexive infinitive is usually stated as blah 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 say, right?
0: Yeah,
2: I think you yeah, can attach yeah, a I mean, non finite form, which includes the undol and the
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it affixes to various verb
1: forms. And in a language like French you might be able to make an argument that the object pronouns there are proclitics. They cannot occur on their own. Meaningfully they have to be followed by Another one of them, or a verb, or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this closed versus open idea. And I want to say, first of all, closed system pronoun doesn't mean that the pronouns never change at all. It's just they're they're more restricted, and the, there's sort of a set schema. But I mean, one of the pronouns in English is a lone word or is thought to have been a loan word originally.
1: Which one are you thinking they, of? Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, but, and pronouns
0: can move around a little bit if you're doing uh, the historical, the, the diachronic method. Um, they can sort of shift positions and such, and it's you you see in some european languages things shifting uh mostly you see um the singular and plural u forms as well as like formal u forms shifting around a lot over time but yep.
2: that never happened to english
0: um but it's <laughs> just that that happens on a historical scale whereas say in Japanese, you can just appropriate it's... that's a lot more productive. You can... And I think Japanese pronouns, a lot of them don't even necessarily go to a specific grammatical
1: person. Um, it's been a long time since I've looked at Japanese, so I'm not going to say too much about those.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well, We'll have to have somebody email us about that. But anyway, so... One thing you were talking about, one thing you listed, class systems can have a lot of third-person pronouns. I know that just gender often gets shown on the third person, sometimes right. on the second person even, but yep. I didn't know about the more complex
1: class systems. Um, so a good one is, and an easy one is Swahili. Swahili. Mm-hmm. which has, you know, seven or eight classes depending on how you count. Mm-hmm. Um and what's really interesting there is the pronouns are all bound. Okay. Yeah. So I, I let me clarify that all of the third person forms are bound. Yeah. So you, so you've okay, got separate first and second person Pronouns floating around and you have separate third person animate pronouns floating around for people. Mm-hmm. But for all of the other non-animate classes or non-human classes, you have a bunch of bound forms. You can create independent forms by, mm-hmm. by taking an adjective, the, the adjective all and smacking on the appropriate class <laughs> prefix. <laughs> so you have to come up with a dodge to, to create pronouns. And this happens. From time to time, um, I think ancient Egyptian did the same thing historically, where you had these bound forms where it, and then someone said, hey, I want an independent pronoun. And they just produced some sort of paraphrastic form by making a funky possessive or a funky adjective that agrees um, with with um, the the person you're trying to represent. Okay. So most of Swahili's pronoun business happens in the verb. But if for some reason you need to say that or or it and refer specifically to a tree, um, then you've got, that that possibility is available to you. Um, I forget what it is for the tree class. The tree class is... I forget what the tree class is.
0: Well, it's right in here. It's uh,
1: Oh, it becomes... What's the number of the tree class? Oh, three... Three four all right, so the most independent pronoun of that is wote, and the plural is "yote." Okay. right, and you just you just you add your little prefixes, okay, so one of my so that's class systems i am not quite sure if they're called classes or genders in Mishtek. So I like the Mishtek pronoun system because it's really interesting. So it has formal and informal versions of the first-person pronoun and the second-person pronoun, separate words. And then it has six separate third-person genders, one for he, one for she, one for children, which is epicene. It doesn't matter if it's a he or a she. There's a special pronoun just for gods. there's a special pronoun for animals, and there's a special pronouns for water
0: ah oh, okay why okay, I'm not gonna ask why because <laughs> <laughs> that question we cannot address why aren't people? the
2: children with the animals
0: because children are more animate than animals in their yeah. system, I guess, yeah. Whatever. What <laughs> you 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 you? I like it though. When you create your languages, you can put children at the same animacy as animals, but not all languages will work that way.
2: Yes, yes, I prefer the lightning animacy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, but Mishtek gives us a nice opportunity to talk about another weird thing about pronouns, which is clusivity. Uh uh-huh.
2: oh, I feel like. As soon as a new Conlinger learns, hmm, inclusive and exclusive, I must add this, which mm-hmm. isn't a bad thing. It's not uncommon, but I feel like as soon as you hear about it, you're like, I must add this now.
0: Well, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I have not used it yet, but um, I like the idea. So, what we're talking about is, specifically on the first person plural, right? is... Some languages distinguish between inclusive and exclusive. Inclusive meaning you are including the interlocutor, the person you're talking to, the listener. And exclusive meaning you're excluding them. You're only talking about you and another third person or other third people not talking,
1: not including the listener. Right. Right. So, what's interesting about Mishtek is that the first and second person pronouns are indifferent to number mm mm-hmm. except when it's used as a plural, their first person that matches the singular that plural is exclusive, and that kind of makes sense mm-hmm and then they Doesn't have that
2: yeah, that continue and then I'll ask my question
1: okay. and then they have a separate <laughs> pronoun which is the first-person plural inclusive. Uh Uh-huh. Bianca?
2: I was going to say, doesn't... Usually, with the inclusive-exclusive systems, you get one form that matches in some way the similar. You can tell it's derived, the singular, and you can kind of see they're derived. But it's not really... I don't think... I don't think there's a big pattern between which one, the exclusive or inclusive, that patterns with the singular.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, pronouns can be weird. It it seems to me that inclusives are the more likely one to be weird and maybe include some residue of a second person form somehow.
0: Mhm.
1: Yeah. Uh, I that's think, not always the case, but it's, yeah. it sure seems that way that way sometimes.
0: I think um you can go a uh, a step further to if I remember correctly American Sign Language, you can do inclusive and ex- exclusive, and then there's also a sign that means you and me.
1: Oh, just the two of us?
0: Yeah, you make a Y, and you
1: point with your thumb and your pinky to you and the the listener. Yeah. Not V has a very complicated mess of inclusive and exclusive for both dual and trial mm-hmm. numbers, which I always, always screw up. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <laughs> uh. um or I I have a panic about um inclusivity and then I screw up something else in the sentence. <laughs> that's, that's typically how it works. I mm-hmm. always did that in Arabic. If I knew a weird sound was coming on, I would become so focused on that that the rest of the sentence would just fall apart. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so <laughs> This, this distinction inclusivity isn't uncommon, but it's not exactly the norm. So I did a quick check at walls, uh-huh. and in, in the, in, in the ones they looked at, 120 languages have it, do not have it, and 63 languages do. So it's about a, a two to one mix of not having it versus having this distinction.
0: So it's, it's not uncommon, but it's not <laughs> particularly common yeah, Not. it's 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 a moderate, modestly common. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's always, always politeness to deal with in here. Yay. Yes. Because, okay, even if you just learned some, uh, like, you know, you can, you know from just basically learning some European languages that, that you could, you could get it, but you know some of these so y- some languages go much further and
1: right so we were just in- talking about Mishtek, which has polite and or has formal and informal pronouns for both first and second um and the condition for use there as i recall is if you're talking to someone your own age or older, you use the formal pronouns. And if you're talking to someone user, you, you, younger, you use the the, 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 the informal forms. Um, what's great is in these languages where you have an open class of pronouns, that's where you can get the real fun with these politeness distinctions. Uh-huh. where. Where not only do you have polite forms you're expected to use, but you have maybe quite informal or maybe even rude forms you can use to be unpleasant without resorting to swear words. Mm -hmm. So that's always fun. So every once in a while, you'll see a conlang about some magical race of beings or aliens (laughs) where they have all of these pronouns which make really fine distinctions. Uh And I always think they're kind of goofy. But I was reading a paper about um, language, a language spoken in the Amazon basin. Uh-huh. And there's one language there, Shavante, um, which has a pronoun just used for guys who fulfill a particular job. Oh, wow. So I, what's most frustrating is the paper I found this in is the person who wrote the paper is extremely coy about what this person actually does. (laughs) So I I posted this on the the Conlang list and there were various theories about what might be going on. They might be a two spirit, you know, they they might be some sort of shaman but of you know unexpected sexual orientation or something like that. We have no idea.
0: It just says (laughs) they
1: they fill a special role and then they um When they decide they want to be an Aama, they go talk to an older Aama and they train them and they learn a special vocabulary for a bunch of words. And then from then on, people address them using this special pronoun. And this is not like a free form either. This is a bound morpheme was invented in (laughs) Shavante just to talk to these dudes.
0: I want so, to know what they do. That's, I, that's I interesting.
1: Too. I would too.
0: Can I can I talk really quick about something I saw in fiction? This is not from a fully developed conlang, but it seemed uh, I I remember in the Left Hand of Darkness. This is sort of a really awry example of how I don't think I would have done the same thing, but she she never really did any really much of the language beyond a couple words, but she mentioned in there so in Left Hand of Darkness there's this planet where there humans live there, but they are agendered. And they have a weird instead of Metro cycle, they have an Astra cycle where they become either male or female. And for some reason she decided to describe when they were talking that there were times when you would use the uh, just a regular epicene, and then they would have a masculine for people who were in the state of being male at the time, and then in the state of being female at the time. It seemed a little odd to me. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that necessarily would happen. So you can go a little weird
1: with, with pronouns sometimes. I don't so that th- was that was pronoun form she said that were being used and not? Yeah. Right. So that's really a natural, right? Humans, this is not a normal development for humans. If there were some alien race that developed this way, I mean there's all sorts of things could happen in the language beyond the pronouns that one that's would true. use when speaking to somebody who's been through one of these switches.
0: Yeah. It's uh it it there could be something there. It's just it struck me as slight trying to put gendered pronouns into into
1: something to make a point. Right. Um. But anyway, right. to so get that, on that, that yeah. is actually something that always comes with the pronouns. Is as people always want to invent pronoun systems that encode some sort of politics, sexual <laughs> politics, or gender politics in particular yes so i always say you know there are lots of languages on this earth that do not distinguish sex ones that come to mind are chinese turkish yeah. and persian <laughs> none none of the places these languages are spoken are bastions of feminist thought right <laughs> uh, that
0: that whole idea that um that uh, gender specific language has an effect on that is not really has an effect on feminist thought or 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 chauvinist thought really doesn't
1: really isn't true at all so it's surely i mean there are obviously ways language can be used to cause trouble not to but, say but, that but 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 to 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 think that removing gendered pronouns will somehow fix things is definitely (laughs) mm -hmm. definitely but uh, to me that idea it's like the 40 words for snow in Eskimo I don't think it's killable I think there will be people who will cling to that idea until the end of time
0: (laughs) and it's not like you couldn't actually make a language that has those odd pronouns in it and have at least sort of People have
1: have the culture believe that that's why the pronouns that way, but sure. Well, c- something is that. going on with the ama, which might or might not be related to gender identity. So, yeah, finally seeing it in a human language, an actual occurring human language, made me a little more tolerant of the idea. But
0: mm-hmm. it's- so let's move on a little bit. You mentioned you mentioned demonstratives, right? And you had there are demonstr you can have demonstrative pronouns or demonstrative uh, adjectives. I would I would say you could probably have
1: demonstrative determiners too. But well, yeah, we're just gonna avoid the whole word determiner if I'm lucky today. <laughs> it's complicated, right? So. It's not like the personal pronouns are the only pronouns out there. Yes. So we have demonstrative pronouns and, and question pronouns and, and pronouns relating to
0: in quantity
1: and degree. Um. So what in English we use, what sort of, how many, this many, that many, all of these are available as both demonstrative, both available as pronoun and adjective forms. Mm-hmm. So in English... The word are the same. This book this is an adjective, maybe, or adjective like in lots Mm -hmm. of languages. Or an independent pronoun. I see this. In English Mm -hmm. they're identical, but in they don't need to be. There are languages that distinguish them carefully. Um, if you have one of those languages with, you know, twelve degrees of distance and, and appearance and non appearance and all of that, this really complicated demonstrative systems that some people love you might make many fewer contrasts in the pronoun forms than you do in the adjective forms. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So you would take fewer distinctions in the pronoun forms than the
1: adjective forms, right? Or, or all I'm saying is I'm not... Done a survey. All I remember reading is that the number does not need to be identical. You might have a different number of distinctions of proximity in one than you have in the other.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Um. Oh, well, I could say. I don't know. I know that in doesn't Bianca correct yes. me if I'm wrong. Doesn't Spanish have different degrees of oh. <laughs> distance for? They, they have.
2: It has S- proximal, medial, and distal, so that's what you mean.
0: Yeah, but they have S oh, they do have a KO, okay. I just don't yeah. hear a very very often, so I don't remember that they uh, so I was thinking that they had two in I
2: think more of it was like a key, a ka, and a ye. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I a key. Which a I, I think a ka, uh, a or a yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, for whichever one you feel like saying.
0: Yes, um, <laughs> but that's a little bit getting into complications. And you're, and William, you mentioned this is interesting that sometimes
1: a third person form can only exist as a demonstrative. Right. So so you you might have independent first and second person pronouns, but you might have nothing that answers to English he and she. They might instead be identical to the demonstratives. Oh, okay. So, one of my favorite examples is ancient Greek, which had um, anclitic third-person forms, but they were such puny little things, they were already on their way out um, <laughs> b- by the time, you know, Herodotus started writing. Um, and the demonstrative forms were the standard, right? In Homer, I see him would use a different, altogether different way of saying things than I see him would be in, you know, Plato's time. Hmm. And that's pretty common. That happens in lots of languages where there are no third person pronouns per se that are distinct from one of the demonstratives. And, and, and then this is one of those things where there's no obvious pattern. Some languages pick this for the pronouns some pick that for the pronouns but you, know, you can do that as you as you see fit
0: yeah and then, so you could have sort of different you could have different forms that are demonstrative you could have the or i'm sorry so how long will cha- how stable is that to have only demonstrative, I would think
1: that they would eventually turn into regular pronouns. Uh, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know enough modern Greek to answer that in that particular instance. Yeah. Um, the boundary between pronouns, in the strict sense, demonstratives, and other sorts of determiners like definite and indefinite articles is always fluid. Mm hmm. I mean, they're always changing this way and that way, and and in in more than one language, the, the boundary between those and copulas are even kind of loose. So hmm. all of that stuff is free form, so I hesitate to say any of it is stable.
0: And then sort of the last thing in your list that you gave us, William, sorry to base this all on your notes, but... That's fine. Um, you mentioned, you just listed pro-drop and right. i like pro drop <laughs>
2: it's just like after go. english you just want to drop the stupid pronouns well english english can drop pronouns
0: in certain cases in regular speech sure but- yeah
2: i mean so can swedish but the um well it's not like as productive or prevalent to say it's a real feature
0: yeah okay well we should say we deal a lot of times on this show with things that are a continuum. I think pro-drop is a continuum. So, absolutely. English, English is maybe very... we should say what pro-drop is. <laughs> okay, pro-drop, pro-drop. A pro-drop language drops pro forms, including pronouns, in certain. But what I'm saying is, you can be more or less. So English is an example of a language that's not very pro-drop at all. There's a few special circumstances, uh, particularly imperatives, you can drop the pro- you You must drop the pronoun. But in a lot of other cases, um, it's so militant about keeping the pronoun that, for example, you have pro- dummy pronouns with weather verbs like to rain and to snow a little bit further on you have like spanish which most of the time spanish drops the subject but the subject in- is encoded on the verb so right. it doesn't really matter the probably one of the extremes you would say would be like japanese where you can pretty much drop anything in any yeah. argument in the sentence
1: <laughs> i always thought it was cheating 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 calling um, Spanish pro-drop because there's a pronoun there. It's just part of the verb.
0: Would you but call I, it a pronoun though? Because it's an agreement suffix, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So this this takes us into realms of theoretical linguistics that uh, it's better if I don't start ranting about. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, I, actually, actually, George, I disagree on how. I think pro-drop. I think English is more pro-drop than you think. So if somebody says, "Hey, William, what are you doing?" Going to the store. Yes, Yeah. There's all sorts of times, especially in really informal English, <clears throat> where when the subject is easily um, decidable, we drop it happily. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be just me. We're much less likely to drop object pronouns just because then that leaves the transitivity of too many verbs in question. Yes, we we don't drop
0: objects hardly at all, and... In Except certain circumstances, we drop subjects. I wasn't saying that it was that example I wasn't thinking about at that point. But yeah, in some sometimes in conversations. And I've actually dropped subjects in English in cases where you wouldn't expect somebody to... Just because it was informal way of saying things.
2: Well, this is all pragmatics based, so if you can get with it get away with it pragmatically, with the meaning being clear, then in English you can do it. The mm-hmm. thing is in English you have fewer chances to do that than in a language like Spanish where it's marked on the verb, so pragmatically you can get away with it pretty much whenever you want.
0: So, William, do you know of any languages that are more militant <laughs> than English that keeping pronouns?
1: Uh, no. <laughs> okay, Well, I said funny. I don't, I don't know any. I can't think of any.
0: I'm going to say, and somebody will probably correct me on this, but my working theory on this is going to be that pretty much all languages will drop a pronoun in some case, and maybe as restricted as it has to be a secondary clause with the same subject or something or it could be as free as Japanese, which just, just drops whatever. But you just have to decide where it's acceptable or where it's even sometimes required to drop pronouns. Right, and
1: that can get tricky because you have to think about sort of controlling um,
0: reference within
1: a discourse. Yeah. What's going on, who's doing what to whom can get goofy if you're dropping things all the time.
0: And it doesn't matter whether you have agreement stuff to to compensate or not, because Japanese has no person agreement at all. Um, Chinese has... um, It's a little bit like English in keeping things, but it, it, it does drop pronouns in some cases, even though it has no kind of agreement on verbs to compensate. So, it just depends on whether, pragmatically, the language can handle not having a pronoun there or not.
1: Right. And if you're going to do this, you need to lay out the rules pretty clearly about when this can happen and when it can't. Yeah. And people write entire dissertations on this for Japanese and Chinese and whatnot, so.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, I think we've covered pronouns pretty well. Or at least the basics. Yeah, the basics, and then...
2: I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff we covered that you can mix together and do all sorts
0: of crazy business. Well, this is how we go. We go about 30 minutes worth of it, and we've done more than 30 minutes, I think. And the rest, if you want to look it up, you can look it up, and I'll have some links in the show notes. But right now, I think we're going to move on to our featured conlag, which is... Uh, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Baranje. Baranje. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. This, this, um, so, I think this was suggested on our suggestions form, and also, Bianca, you saw it and wanted to look at, look at it, right? No. No?
2: Not on the ZBB that much. Oh, okay. Or as I was told to distinguish it better, the ZBB. Uh,
0: whatever you <laughs> decide to call it. <laughs> okay, but um, so the presentation here is not ideal because this is a forum thread, but yeah. we're we're gonna talk about this language, um. It seems like he has a good deal developed here. It's kind of hard to gauge at a glance, but um so Baraje is a fictional language uh what you might call an art lang. It's created by I don't think this guy ever gives gives his real name anywhere, but he's Mr. Bernie on the the ZBB. And um So, and so he has this forum thread and some links to different sections. Just
1: looking a little bit at... So that's, but he also has, um, it looks like, let me check some dates here. After he started his, um, ZBB thread, he, uh, I think just this month, just in October, um, has started a WordPress blog. Yes. Where he has okay. things where he goes into far greater detail. Yeah. Okay. Excruci- excruciating historical detail on the things like the development of the vowel system. Yes. Which reminds me of those great old Germanic language grammars.
2: It's probably because he's German then. <laughs> well, I don't know if
1: he's German, but I think he He is had- German. Oh, he is German. Okay.
2: I didn't okay. just throw that in as like a horrible joke.
1: Okay. <laughs> so this
0: blog is a lot better easier to read now looking at it. But he has yeah, his vowel system is uh interesting
1: and the way it the it's it's shifted a lot. What's what's puzzling to me is he has an E sound, and then a long... Which is written with the letter I, by the way. He's got, you know, E and E. But he has long I developing into... Developing rounding. Yeah.
0: I don't know where that comes from. I don't know how that happens. baffling to me. Yeah. I mean, I can see it happening because of allophony and they split, maybe. But I don't
1: see that turning into to the e in all cases. I assume it's a condition change. Unfortunately, he doesn't talk about how it is that long e become e um, normally, I expect o to front that's uh-huh. happened in lots of languages on this planet where it goes that way and gets you know disappears and turns into an e sound, but this going the other way. To, to go from front and then take on rounding just seems bizarre to me, but I, maybe there are natural languages that this has occurred in, but I have to say of all of the... everything about this, having I with a macron be pronounced u is the one that baffles me the most. <laughs> just in yeah. terms of, of the writing system. So, um...
0: He has a good deal of... Well... Let's just see if we can t- take another look. Number system is kind of nothing. And, um, so we just have that. He has some, he has pre-aspirated stops marginally. That's yeah, yeah, Icelandic. An interesting thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Icelandic. Uh.
2: Icelandic seems to be very popular in the conline community.
1: It's so weird. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably why. He has a little... No, you think, oh, thing. it's it's just another Norse language, then the longer you look at it, you're like, no, <gasps> linguists are getting into fisticuffs over what exactly is going on. It's a pre-aspirated what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Um, so,
0: and he has... Uh, he... He actually does have, like, derived this from a proto-language called Proto-Aketamata-Kamase. I'm probably not pronouncing that right.
1: Right. <laughs> and he, he additionally has an old Baran- Baranhe stage. Uh-huh. So this is this is typical of the, the ZBB madness, is to go through these very complex historical things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Jesus. he's got dialect notes on his blog, especially for things. He has a good number of ad positions.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, like, a lot of them. About ten. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ten
2: is not that many.
0: Uh, Compared to English, no, but there, <laughs> I've heard there are languages that get by with very few. Yes.
2: Yeah, but it's still not that many.
0: Uh, it's, it's
2: well within the medium range of ad positions.
0: Yeah. We've got another one of these weird um, com- compounded uh, gender systems where he has animate and inanimate, but the animate can also be divided into animate common, animate masculine, and animate, animate feminine. Really? It has common? Yeah, it does.
2: Oh, I must have missed that.
0: Oh, yeah, look on the thread and click on gender. But, oh, uh,
2: I was just looking at the verb. And he,
0: he even has the historical development of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: from different suffixes <laughs> and such. What <laughs> is most... So... The the noun system is very funky to me uh-huh. because it makes interesting use of infixes uh-huh. before the final consonant of the stem, um, which leads to all sorts of... Uh, I would love to know how something like that's supposed to happen.
0: <laughs> uh... How do infixes develop
1: in the first place? That's that's my question. So, Yeah, I mean, I normally think of that as developing out of, I mean, frankly, you can think of Navajo as having infixes. You have bits at the, be- the beginning which are simply obligatory and always, always have to be there even though they don't mean anything anymore. <laughs> I mean, and then the subject and object, or in the case of Navajo, the object and subject gets crammed in the middle and then the verb stem comes. And if you've got enough of that going on, then you can reanalyze these things as infixes. He's got
0: interesting... Yeah. His declensions
1: are... They're not too crazy. Yeah,
0: they're not wacky, but they're... I mean, they're, they're wacky, but
1: they don't seem to be particularly irregular.
0: Uh-huh. And... Adjectives... Most... Does this his ad- adjectives have any agreement? Yeah, I think
2: so. Partial.
0: Partial agreement with uh, nouns. Right. Okay. Um, It's quite a lot of agreement
2: going on on that verb.
0: Yes, the verbs are complicated. You need to look at at the verbs here. Yes. So, he has the stem of the verb includes the verb root, tense, voice, and mood marking. And then there's a personal ending that agrees in gender, person, and number. That's complicated verbs.
1: Right, and he's got some double marking going on, or what's historically double marking as, as, you know, inflectional forms start to get swallowed up by changes, then you pile on some new ones to beef up things that are getting missing. So, Mm -hmm. he's The verbs are definitely the most complicated part of the language so far. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Although, honestly, some some things about it seem kind of regular to me, but then once you pile it all on top, then it starts to look a bit funky.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I like the aesthetic uh, when I'm looking at these. A little bit. It's it's very regular, but it's, it just looks interesting. Nyalem, nyalet,
1: nyalem, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a sucker for. You just like words that start with a velar nasal. <laughs> I
0: that was a velar nasal. I'm
1: there, but anyway. Uh. it was a slightly palatalized velar nasal. It was I a think, very.
2: But... I thought he was just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not that weird. I mean, I'm not used to, you know, initial velar nasals. It could throw me. I could that's... just automatically place it as a palatal to be more likely. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was, I was just, I, I was just reading, but uh, that's just how his stem conjugation part works. But it's. But yeah, this in general. There's some things that look a little. It's, it's it seems like he's got everything very well thought out, and he's very big
1: on the history. Very big on the history. Yes. Um. I enjoy. I, he he's got the demonstratives. We're back. We're going back since we're focused on pronouns today. Um. He's got disjunctive demonstratives, which is a funny name for demonstratives that are separate words. And they have three levels of proximity: proximal, medial, distal. Fine, but then he's got clitic demonstratives that are only proximal versus distal. Mm-hmm. So that's nifty. I like that.
0: Okay. He also has gender agreement on
1: on um,
0: more than just third person. It looks like. Yeah.
1: Oh look. Um, so here we have a dialectological aside. Quote, in many dialects, he and thaw, which are their clitics, exist as non-clitics and are used as invariable third-person pronouns. <laughs> uh, that happens. So that's, that's nifty. Cool.
0: Um, I don't know if I have much more to say on this, but it is very well thought out. I would like him to collect all this stuff and put it into a PDF.
1: That's right. But
2: uh if he does more on his blog, it'll be quite well organized.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but... yeah he does not do small posts. There's lots of good good stuff. Yeah, and but... and on the blog he has a nice long text with interlinears.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. I saw that. Uh let me find that. Um and that that tells you a whole lot of you can see that this is a very um, synthetic language, definitely. You have yes. a lot of things attaching to various stems. There's, there's nothing... I don't see but a couple function things that are uninflected in these sentences.
1: Plus um, you have the great story that ends with a line, He went away, the cursed fairies cried. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know where the accent is on these words, or I won't. Sorry, I would read that aloud, but I won't. I won't.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, I hope that he is the special he, just for the one person who does that thing that we can't know what it is.
1: Yes, for the ama uh, um, uh, who has the job, we don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so... I, I assume the person who wrote that was trying to obey some sort of cultural sensitivities, but it's a little vexing. Because it sounds like I'm being teased. <laughs> or I felt I was being teased with secret information. <laughs> oh, so... I don't know if we have much more to say on this. But No, uh... it's, a nifty, it's a nifty language. Especially if you like the, the historical stuff. Especially his blog posts have all the detail you could want about well, I mean, there's some of it in the in the the forum as well, but his blog posts really go into detail about sound developments and so forth. And I didn't outs. really
0: choose anything for feedback before we started recording, so I'm on the fly. One thing is, I posted a little uh poll, and I'm going to leave that up for. Well, I don't know if I'm going to leave that up until this episode posts, actually, but... Um,
1: <laughs> We're doomed. We have to record episodes.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, they're, yeah they're pretty so...
0: much everybody who answered said, we just want regular episodes. The, not a whole lot of people answered, but I guess it's it's a reasonable sample of our, it's, our audience.
2: It's a pretty clear majority wanting more episodes. Yeah. Only two people were like, oh, let's give them a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, two people.
0: (laughs) I think a lot of people actually just download a whole bunch of episodes uh, and listen to them all at once. So it may just not matter to a lot of people. But um, we also had a comment on our episode about Aspect, uh, I will put that in the doc. And, uh, I don't, we're, uh, well, if I can copy and paste successfully, <laughs> um, we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about, but this guy, he said, he was asking if Latin actually separated tense and aspect. No. Yeah. Well, he was uh. thinking of it as sort of, if you analyze it a certain way, it kind of is different. But I know, uh, the, it seemed I don't know anything about Latin. So I wouldn't say, but I'll defer to William when he says no, because it doesn't seem like it would.
1: <laughs> no, it's that I'm going to have to disagree with his, reading of of what's going on.
0: Yeah, and he also mentioned Japanese. By the way, is that supposed to be perfect or imper- or perfective that he's talking about there?
1: No clue. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Um but he's mentioning, I guess yuru adding iru after a verb sort of makes sort of an imperfect, but I don't know. Um, but anyway, honestly, we're, we've recorded for a, we're, um, short on time, I think. (laughs) So I think we're going to call it a quits. But (laughs) I will not go out without asking Bianca any words of wisdom.
2: Of course not.
1: William. Not today. I, I think I should plan to have wisdom in the future. Yes.
2: I should, too, but it's like, c- come the time we finish, it's midnight. My wisdom is long gone. Mm-hmm.
1: Write a post-it
0: note and put it on your computer.
2: <laughs> you think I'm that organized for this?
0: It's like, <laughs>
2: come ten it- o'clock or an hour before, I'm like, oh, crap, I better read up on pronouns. <laughs>
1: put it in the dock. <coughs> plus, Probably you're recovering I from an illness, worry. so I think Bianca yes, can be excused I was sick. this week. Yes.
2: I anyway, have a lot of real life stuff say, going on, so you know.
0: Before we this train wreck goes any further, <laughs> I'm gonna say happy Conlang. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find all our episodes and show notes, as well as subscribe to our iTunes or RSS feeds through Conlangery.conlang.org. You can also like our Facebook page or follow at Conlangery on Twitter. If you would like to contact us with corrections, comments, questions, or suggestions, or even suggest your own Conlang as a feature, please email Conlangery at gmail.com or call into our new voicemail line three zero four eight seven three six two eight one We also have a handy suggestions form on our site. Our theme music was created by Xander Medeus.